Hey babes, this is Tandem Orgasms, your go-to podcast on life coaching, owning your divine feminine power, and the far out new age world of spirituality with your hosts, Caitlin Englert and Jen Morgan. Ladies, it's time to step into a new kind of confidence, one where you stop searching for and instead claim the balance you crave. Each week, we will bring you wisdom, personal experiences, and ridiculous banter that will have you laughing while also providing you with useful tools to transform your life from blah to turn on to your climactic inner diva. Hey guys, welcome to episode nine of Tandem Orgasms podcast. Today we're going to talk about relationships and whatever else comes up to do with relationships, but we're going to start with a fun story and I'm going to turn it over to my trusty partner, Kate, to tell you a little ditty. Um, yeah, and I sound like a 90-year-old smoking old woman today because these allergies in upstate New York are kicking my butt. <laughs> so don't mind the raspy voice. So everyone needs that person in your life that just tells you like it is, right? When you're in a full panic attack and then you call that person who's your dad. And <laughs> my person's like my it. dad too. <laughs> That's great. It tells you like it is. Yeah. Everyone needs that person in their life. Um, but I will tell you why in a second. So yesterday I got a call, I was working out and it said it was the Monroe County Sheriff's department. And so, yeah, Jen hasn't heard this story yet. It's fun for everyone. Oh boy. <laughs> Whoa. So a voicemail and I called my husband and he was like, well, just call him back and see what's going on and let me know. So I call him back. It's like a legitimate voicemail. And so then he didn't answer, but he called me on my way to work. So I was on my way to meet with a few clients and this was about nine 30 in the morning. So he starts telling me that I missed grand jury on Friday and that I was being charged with contempt of court and failure to appear. Okay. So I had to pull over in front of your house, Jen. Oh my God. He made me write down the citation numbers. So I had to pull over and do all that. And then it wasn't making sense. Like he had to repeat himself like 800 times. Cause I was like, I don't get this. Like what? I think this is a scam. And he read me like these legal disclaimers. Like it was legit. It sounded so legit. So then I just like drove, kept driving to work and they, um, you know, they kept giving me all these options. Like do you want to go the civil route or do you want to go a criminal route? And the criminal route was like, you get processed, fingerprinted, charged, or you can go the civil route and you just basically pay a bond and then you get a court hearing. So I was like having to make all these decisions like on a whim. And I didn't even know what was happening. It like sent me into such a tailspin. And so I am like halfway to work now. And then they're like giving me more options. And, you know, two different ways to pay. Like I could either go to the sheriff's office or I could do it through, um, it's like this mobile app thing, Zelle, but it's through your online banking. It's like a Venmo within your online banking. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to call you back. Like I'm going to meet with clients. They're like, ma'am, you can't get off the phone because when you come here to pay it, they will detain you. And I was like, oh my God, like just to give you guys some background, 
um, you know, when I was using drugs, it was not a good time in my life. So it, it like took me back to this one time oh, when Lord. I got a phone call from an officer and it was like a whole situation, which is a different podcast. So your, your response to authority automatically wow. by default yeah. is like, oh no, I've done something wrong. I definitely did it. And shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, like when we were driving the other day and that cop turned around and I was like, uh-oh, we're getting pulled over. We're getting pulled over. Yeah. So, oh so just so you guys know, yes, the other day we were driving together and there was a trooper and he was just probably doing his norm, just sitting there just, and she's like, oh no, oh no, he's going to follow us. Oh no, he's turning around. Oh no, he's following. He's like, we're like miles and miles down the road now. And she's still like, he's coming. He's still going to come. He's going to come up past that hill. I'm like, I think it's really going to, and he was actually following us, but I ended up like turning at the light and I'm like, see, I told you. <laughs> yeah. So my response to authority is to go into flight mode. Okay. Yeah. Like we talked about, this was the last, I think it was the last podcast or a couple podcasts ago. We talked about our nervous system response. Well, that's mine to authority. <laughs> <laughs> so anywho, um, I get to the office and I literally, it was like 10 five. So I had to text my client. I said, I'm sorry, it's an urgent phone call. Um, I will be with you in a few minutes. No, this still was a 45 minute phone call. I had to cancel on my poor client which is so unprofessional to me. And so she was very understanding, thank goodness. But I sat there looking at my phone and I just stared at it. And I was like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Like this is, and I, I said, how do I know this isn't fraud? He was like, ma'am, that's why we don't take any of your personal information. This is a decrypted email, um, wait, decrypted. I think that's what he said. Encrypted, but, I believe is the word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're the, if, you de if you're decrypting, person. Something yeah, you're, you're probably, email. that's a pretty good um, skill. You're right. Encrypted email on um, through the department of treasury. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like just, I was like, just hang up and pretend the call was dropped if they call back. And yeah. then I just like was panicked. I, I like went into almost like a freeze mode. Yeah. It was so weird. And it was like my intuition though, right? I didn't trust my intuition because of my trauma response that was coming up. Oh, that's a good topic. Yeah. It yeah. was like, now that we're talking about it, I'm realizing that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And so I ended up doing the first two payments. Well, first, let me just say, I messed up the whole thing. I like sent it to the wrong email twice and then I requested it. And then I had to send it again. And they, the third, I had to do it in three payments. So the third one bounced and I got a text from my bank saying like, this is a suspicious account. And I said that to them and they were like, well, it's because you've done it too many times. You're going to have to go to like a Walgreens and get something like a bond. Oh my God, like a money order or something. They didn't really like say exactly what it was. And so I was like, okay, well, I can't deal with this right now. I have to go see clients. And now it's like quarter to 11 and I have a client coming in. And I finally, he's like, all right, we'll call you back at two to get the rest of the money. So I hang up, right? I have like 15 minutes until this client, she's probably already on her way. I literally just bawled, like panic attack, called my husband. He was like, let me just call a lawyer and get some legal advice. I call my dad and he's like, Kate, Kate, stop. Kate, and I was like, <laughs> I couldn't even talk. And he was like, Kate, 
you got scammed. You got scammed, Kate. Wait, wait, Kate, stop. You got scammed. You need to call your bank right now and you need to call the sheriff's office to just confirm. And I was like, beside myself, I couldn't even talk. I was like, dad, this was not a scam. I just was, he goes, Kate, yes, it is. Like, just told me like it was, like I needed that. So I call the sheriff's department and they're like, yeah, that's a scam. I call the courthouse, they're like, yeah, that's a scam. We don't even have you in our system. Oh man. Yeah. Yep. So the moral yep. of the story is, is one this is a scam that's happening so be aware <laughs> the lady at the courthouse was like oh wow i haven't heard this one in a while <laughs> like you fell for the one that was like the old school yeah <laughs> like haven't heard this one in a while you know since 1992. <laughs> no, i think it happened like this was happening like a couple of years ago yeah but i wow. actually had an old co-worker reach out to me this morning and she said she got the same phone call and she got scammed yesterday as well Wow. So guys, be aware this is going on, but also, right. This is a really, this is a really great, um, uh, example of some of the stuff that we've been talking about in the podcast, which is what happens when you go into that fight or flight, that triggered response, right. And you stop listening to your intuition. Cause just like you said, it was like my, my association to this specific trigger, it took over. And that was what was in front of you. And so you were, you were, you you're going to go into a fight or flight response versus listen to your intuition which was like this is actually fishy and your intuition's trying to tell you that but it was your association to that specific trauma that you experience and what you attach to your current scenario right and that's really what triggers are in the first place is um you know something that comes up within you that says hey we've experienced something like this before and it essentially having a poor outcome right because otherwise, if it had a good outcome, or if it was processed or worked through, well, it really wouldn't be a trigger anymore, right? And so this is a really great segue into what, what I wanted to talk about today. What we, we wanted to talk about is relationships. And, um, you know, I got into a conversation the other day uh, with a younger person, which I really, really enjoy talking with people who are younger. It brings me back to young version of myself and man, I wish I had a me back then (laughs) to talk some sense into me. These teenagers, I am always blown away. Yeah, they are so mature. And I know a lot of parents of teenagers probably don't agree with that, but when I have- Oh, they're very conscious, these ones. their emotional and mental maturity is not what it was when I was that age. Correct. I felt like when I was a teenager, I was a, um, you know, a a big fish in like a little pond, I suppose, I guess, is that the expression? But I I guess just to say, I felt like I was way older than my age and I didn't, I kind of felt like a sit, like I was waiting for my life to start but I didn't have anybody to relate to that was my age. I felt kind of like off on my own. And then I didn't have any adults that were like, hey, just so you know, because you can think this way or you are very um, you know, conscious in, in your experience of life, here's some things to watch out for. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I try to do is to have those conversations with young people, which I find is really exciting because they do get it. They do get what you say, even if they can't put it into practicality. And so the conversation was, here are some things I wish I knew about relationships before I got into them, right? And 
you know, because young people, however, however old they are, you know, getting into dating or whatever, whatever, you know, situation they're in. Um, and just, you know, kind of just having some understanding. If somebody would have said to me, hey, relationships are going to challenge you. You see all these things in movies, like you see this like guy rescues the girl or, you know, there's some sort of love story uh, struggle and then they get together and they're in love and everything works and it's perfect. And, and that can happen. But what, what most times I think happens is that there is, uh, you know, stuff in relationships that is challenging, that there is struggle that you do have to work for. And I wish somebody would have said like, Hey, like, don't be, you know, kind of waiting for this love story, fairy tale situation. Although I have experienced that, right. It's what a relationship, what is the actual purpose of a relationship, which I believe is to uh, bring us together with someone who can trigger us and inspire us right? One and the same sometimes to grow in a massive way as a human being. Um, and that doesn't come without challenges and that doesn't come without sometimes turmoil. And it doesn't come without a little bit of, a little bit of uh, dedication, a little bit of stress. And, but it is beautiful when it happens, right? When you have those moments of um, somebody is helping you to grow, like essentially the purpose of somebody being in a relationship with you is for you to be mirrored back to yourself to evolve. And nobody said that to me. Nobody's like, I'm like, you know, you go into these uh, relationships with this disillusion, like this person uh, is going to give me what I need. And this person's going to love me in a certain way that I want to be loved. And nine times out of 10, I don't think that that actually happens unless you're willing to create that world where it does, which means you fully accepting who you are and loving yourself first. I lived in like a fairy tale land as well growing up in my first few relationships it, I always felt like it wasn't about that I mean as teenagers too I mean you just don't really have that kind of awareness yet um or maturity in relationships or life experience so it's so yeah, and you get wrong. those butterflies going and you're like oh yeah sure. thanks but I did <laughs> think I I guess my idea of what a relationship was or what love was supposed to look like, it was just, it was like a fairy tale movie, right? Like that was my vision of it. And I thought I needed that person to love me. Like I never thought of it like past that. Like, what does it mean past that? Exactly. Right? Like I just need this person. And for me, I attached like physical yep. um, touch to that. Yes. Right? Like in order for them to love me, I have to do these things with these boys because then they will love me. Right. right? Yeah. So it's getting that seeking that validation for who you are in many different ways. I think people do that in relationships, even, even well into adulthood and beyond, right. It's you're expecting to get a certain outcome by taking a certain action. And when you have another party, that's not always the outcome right? You want it to be cut and dry. You're like, I'm going to get physical with this person. Therefore they're going to love me. And it's like, uh, well, that's, you got another person who might not have the same requirements as you. So you can go and do those things and hope for that outcome, but that might not be the outcome. And then you get triggered or you feel a certain way you feel rejected. Mm -hmm. And then how is that instead of that causing more trauma and causing more pain, 
which I think oftentimes it does, what if we reframe that completely and we say, how can this prompt me to grow? because I was rejected, because I'm looking at this relationship and seeking validation from my physical interactions, I'm not getting this. How can I use this to reflect it back to myself to grow? Well, I think right. people get really wrapped up in the feeling of love. Yeah. And if they have a history with that person, they yes. get wrapped up in the history that you've had with them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people think that love's enough to make a relationship last. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to comment on something you said. Um, I think you said something about compromise. And I see this a lot in relationships where people don't understand what compromise actually means. Like mm -hmm. there needs to be compromise in a relationship, but on both sides. But mm -hmm. so often I see it a one-sided perspective. Mm -hmm. Like one person is the only one changing or compromising their values, their beliefs, what they want, what they need to meet the other person's needs mm -hmm. and wants, mm -hmm. but that other person, their partner isn't doing that in return. Mm -hmm. And so this person's just always chasing, chasing, mm -hmm. seeking validation. And mm -hmm. they think, well, they love me. And so that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then the, the, that's what they try to tell themselves, right. To like, make it okay. It's very interesting too. When you're saying this, I'm thinking to myself, like, uh, again, another thing that I wish somebody would have told me, like your, your relationships oftentimes, especially in those younger years, but again, well into adulthood, um, very much stem from what you experienced or what you saw from childhood and what is missing. So I like to talk about this, like whatever you saw in your childhood or experienced love to be. So it could be, I saw my mom and my dad's relationship, or it could be, this is what I experienced love to look like as a young person. Whatever chapter felt unclosed for you, meaning it had a beginning, but not an end, something felt incomplete, something felt missing, you're going to go into your adult relationships, your teen relationships to search for because our brain is wired to want to make everything wrapped up in a nice little bow, right? So you will continue the pattern to try to get what it is that you did not get or see what it is that you wanted to experience. For example, if my, if my parents got a divorce when I was a young person, right? Say um, my, my mom was happy in the relationship and my dad wasn't happy in the relationship. And I saw this kind of dynamic playing out, right? I might go into my adult relationships as either my mother entering in kind of as this, this kind of um, storyline, right? Or my father. And so what I might find is that, well, my father wanted out and my mom still wanted in and I'm kind of like my mom. And so I'm going to find somebody and that person that I'm going to find, I'm hoping will stay because that's what I saw. And I, my brain so badly wanted to wrap up this into we're closing the chapter and now I've, I've healed my wound. Right. So I'll go into my relationship and I'm going to say, I need to find somebody that will stay, but what I will actually attract because I'm attracting it from a wound is somebody that will leave because it's getting me to prompt me to work on my childhood wound and the thing that I internalized. Right. And so what's very interesting is that if you really look at people's behavioral and, and, and patterns around relationships, they will attract uh, the same thing over and over and over until they heal that wound, 
or they will be one or the other person and it will flip from one storyline to the other if they saw both like mom unhappy or dad unhappy or they felt unloved they will go and inter- they will recreate the exact storylines the players look a little different but it's the same energetic footprint that they're trying to complete the picture and that's what people do in their relationships well right? i also think it's safety like what we were saying in the beginning right mm-hmm. the nervous system looks for ways to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And so even though you may be in a toxic relationship or abusive relationship, or, um, you know, your partner gaslights you, manipulates you, like there's all different forms of relationships or you're just not happy. Leaving feels unsafe. Correct. Because there's a lot of unknowns and depending on your circumstances, you know, some people, if it's just like the two of you and you don't really have anything to gather acquired, to gather a household, pets, kids, any of that. It's a little bit cleaner of a break, but it's still challenging. But when you have more things to gather, it, you know, kids, animals, a household, finances, all these things, it's a lot harder to break that one. So to leave the thought of that, like, where will I live? Um, will someone want to be in a relationship with me if I have kids? Like all these questions start coming into your head. And Mm -hmm. so that feels super unsafe. Like, I don't know what that looks like. So I'm better off just staying here in this relationship Mm -hmm. and kind of riding it out. Mm -hmm. You find you have a lot of unhappy. Yeah. Do you find you have a lot of clients that are at that point where they're like, I want to leave, right? Because I've seen quite a few people that they're right at that place where they're like, this isn't working. I want to leave, right? And so my suggestion to them has been, okay, well, you want to leave, but again, you have attracted someone who is prompting you to work on your wounds and heal. Have you done that, right? Because that's where I believe the confidence comes to say, I, I can stay or go here because I, I, I know that I've created a safe space within myself because not having that safe space causes people to make a decision that's either ill-informed or from their perceived level of safety. And I want to just add this too. One of the things that's really interesting when you start talking about, okay, well, somebody's got, um, you know, a childhood association of what love is. If there was trauma, specifically abuse, physical, sexual, or anything in their childhood, everything from that point on that they experience will be from a level of safety. They will want to perceive and protect any safety. So even if say that it recreates itself and they're being in a situation that is abusive, they will still perceive that that's okay. And that because they're still safe in some way, shape or form, right? They're going to protect it's self-protection, right? So if, if say I, I am in a situation as a young person and uh, I see my parent being abused, or I'm physically abused, that what happens is me interacting as a, you know, pure essence of a person goes away. And I say, how can I keep myself safe? And I put up a wall, right? And so every relationship after that point is how can I keep myself safe? Well, staying or going feels pretty unsafe either way, right? So people just stay stuck. And that's a wound that can be healed too, right? So, you know, that, that, level of safety, like you're saying, it feels safer to stay. Sometimes people struggle with that because of what it's a trauma response, 
right? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about then, because it's hard to, I think a lot of people too get stuck in, well, obviously in their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is a healthy relationship and what is an unhealthy relationship? What is a relationship? Because I had this conversation with a client the other day about, well, what is a relationship to you? Like, what does that look like? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And like, they couldn't even explain it to me. Like they didn't even know. So how are you having relationships with people if you don't even know what you want that to look like or what you want out of it? Well, because 99.9% of the time somebody meets somebody, they get a little butterflies. We we call, we call that. And, and (laughs) my husband calls it, uh, his family calls it Twitter patient. Okay. (laughs) You get, you get Twitter pated with somebody, meaning like you get the butterflies, you get the whole thing. Right. And then you just get into it. Mm-hmm. And you don't even know what you want out of it, right? You just get swept up in the feeling of love and the feeling of, which is a very interesting thing I do want to mention. I've heard a lot of coaches say this, and I think it's a really fascinating topic that the butterflies that you actually get are not the feeling of love. They're actually a feeling of anxiety. They're a feeling of meeting someone who is going to trigger you to do your work. So yeah, so just like, like, in perfect, uh, you know, design, you find somebody, you feel butterflies, you feel in love. You're, you're actually confusing this for anxiety because that person is going to prompt you to do your work. And most likely you have, uh, wounds that will trigger each other back and forth, right. Until you, you begin to work on these things. So it's really, really fascinating, right? But I think people feel that feeling and they get into it and they're disillusioned and they don't know what they want out of a relationship. And I think it's very important if, if you are in a relationship now or plan to be, to establish what is it that I want, right? And to say, okay, this is A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And this is like what I bring to the table. Well, and I was gonna say too, going back to the childhood thing, a lot of people witness certain relationship patterns mm-hmm. from their par- their parents and so then they don't actually they you know they grow up and they go into adulthood and it's very confusing but they it's like so sub tucked away in your brain it's like a subconscious yeah you don't realize you're living out a pattern that come through but they are rooted in yep. your, what you witnessed as a child or what you felt energetically as a child. Yeah, because sometimes you don't know, but you feel it. Partners. Yep. Yep. And you will, it's not like a conscious choice. Okay. You will relive it. What I actually did uh, recently was a, a fun exercise and I suggest everybody to do this, but going through your, you know, kind of, uh, it's actually somewhere in a journal. I just opened to it today. So let me find it. But to, to take a relationship inventory of all your past relationships. And so you mark down all the people that you were in a relationship with, okay? And you can, you kind of uh, write what kind of um, patterns, you're kind of looking for what patterns because it is kind of a subconscious thing, right? Um, let me actually open to this really quick because I can give you guys like a fun little exercise to do. I think this was... Um, a little while ago that I was doing this, I just found it really interesting uh, subject matter. So I wrote, um, you know, what things are, are important to me, what I valued, right? So I wrote all like, and this, I went from the first time I had a boyfriend, right? 
emotional connection or support. That was my first little category, aside from the relationship slot that I had. And then physical connection or, uh, you know, felt in love with this person, right? And so I went through each, each partner and I said, okay, I felt connected with this person, but it wasn't reciprocated. I felt, you know, this person like either was a good emotional connection for me or was not. This person was supportive or this person was not. This person I had a good physical connection with, this person I did not. Did I feel in love with this person? Yes or no, right? And so what I realized when I took stock of this is that most of the time I was attracting people that were emotionally disconnected from me. And even if there was a physical connection, which made me confuse that there was an emotional connection, there was still not an emotional connection. And so I was able to look at this and say, oh, wow, okay, I've attracted people here that I don't feel uh, emotionally connected to. How else have I felt emotionally disconnected from? Did I feel emotionally disconnected from in my childhood? And I was like, oh, okay. So I was able to see this trace back to my experiences of what love was how somebody loved me as a child and feeling emotionally disconnected from. And so I attracted partner after partner after partner after partner that was emotionally disconnected from me or almost they emotionally shut down from me, right? Because the whole time I'm attracting someone that is prompting me to look at my stuff and heal my wound. It's not their job, right? And so I think that can be a fun exercise for you guys out there. If, you know, again, we want to give you guys practical tools, take a relationship inventory and just say, what are the things I value out of a relationship? And then did this person provide this or this person not find the pattern, find the trend. And I guarantee you, if you look at your childhood, you either saw a relationship between your parents or the way that your parents loved you, you are recreating what felt like it was missing in your relationships. And therefore it's saying, now I can reclaim this for myself. This is the premise of shadow work, bringing what is in the dark into the light. Now I can claim this for myself and, um, and be this for myself, really. How can I be, how am I emotionally available for myself? Well, probably not. <laughs> well, and the last thing I want to say, and then I have a question is an exercise I've done with couples before is I've had them go home and individually write out what values are important to them. Yep. And then together we go over it and we figure out what values they want to bring together as in their family or as a couple. And, you know, what ones maybe, because there are sometimes values that we can compromise on, right? Yeah. If it doesn't align with our partner and vice versa, like the other, you know, your partner has to be willing to, to compromise sometimes but you can usually find like a good five values between two people. And then I have them look at that and say like, how can we, how can you use this to like shape and guide and navigate your relationship together? Yep. And so the, additionally to that, you could make like what I've done, we have a mission statement, right? Between the both of us. And so we have each line, you know, that says, okay, this is, this is part of it. Okay. Do you agree on this? Yes. No. Okay. Let's tweak this. Right. So like, we know what we value out of that. It's a mission statement, basically like you would use for a business or whatever, you know? Yeah. So now that we have some understanding of why we have certain patterns and behaviors in relationships, I want to get to the 
more of those actionable tools, right? So in the beginning, you said um, you want your you and your partner want to help each other grow. Okay, so let's break that down. What does that look like? Do you want to start? Yeah, I think growth looks like um, an ability to create and hold space for someone. It's not. Can you explain that a little bit more? I think it means being fully present with someone and also being teachable. And, um, you know, I, I use the term workable a lot. And I don't even know if that's an actual word, but this is something that I have realized that is of high value to me is when there are situations that come up that communication is breaking down or someone is triggered, how workable am I in that situation? How um, understanding am I? How present am I? How, um, How do I communicate or do I shut down? Like, what are my responses to that? And do I actually have a commitment or feel a pull to resolve, right? So being workable. To me, the more workable you are, the more growth you're capable of, right? It's kind of like if you went to go work somewhere at a business, right? Are you a good team member? Or are you like the solo person that just goes out and does your shit and comes back, you know? Like, are you, are you good in a group, you know? Yeah, I think it goes, the number one thing is communication. And that's not just what you're saying. It's in your body language. It's in your tone. It's in your, if, are you validating or affirming your partner? Are you listening to them? Are you being open to hearing what they have to say? And, you know, I understand, and I help a lot of people try to bring awareness to this. We're human, right? So like our own stuff projects and interferes with our ability to be able to hear our partners. Correct. And so um, going back to the communication, the, one of the first things I point out to couples is these closed door moments. And it happens all the time, like even in my relationship, right, with my husband. And we've gotten really good at navigating those closed door moments that we don't and that right there is the navigation. That's what yeah. I, that's workability, right? Recognizing it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Like we don't say, oh, I feel like you shut the door on me, but that's basically what we do, right? Like we are able to recover faster from an argument or a conflict than we ever have before. Yep. That's that right there is the golden part of the growth is like, how, how well can you navigate this and, and with another human being? Because you're going to get triggered. You're going to get annoyed. Somebody's going to say something. I find nine times out of 10, I get triggered and that triggers my partner at the same time. But it's how can you navigate that in a way that brings you together and has that unification, which leads to that growth or does it break down and go the opposite way, right? Yeah. And it could be small things, right? Like you're, you asked your partner to hang a picture up on the wall right? And say it took them three days to do it or a week or my husband, six months. <laughs> um, I was about to say, uh, yeah, well, keep yeah going. I know. They're <laughs> not giving you that much credit on this. <laughs> but anyway, so say you have your husband hang up a picture on the wall and then he finally does it, but it's crooked or, or it's not exactly where you wanted it. And you make a comment about that. 
instead of saying, well, thank you. I really appreciate you doing that. What if instead you said, well, it's about time you did it and it's not where I wanted it. Yeah. Right. And so that right there's a sliding door moment. So if you think about like going onto a back deck, how there's like sliding glass doors and like your partner, one person's on one side, one's on the other side. When you say things like that, it shuts the door in that person's face. It closes off that open communication between the two of you. Now you have a barrier. Yes. Did it take him six months to do it? Yes. Are you frustrated about that? Sure. Absolutely. You're human. We're going to feel that way. How can you say it differently? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you say like, it was, that looks really good. I really appreciate you doing that. And then when you feel like you're not going to make a passive aggressive comment, maybe this is a couple hours later before bed or something say, you know, I really appreciate you doing that. It did bother me that it took six months to do it. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy, or however you want to say it, like I enjoy if we can do these things together or get projects done around the house, it makes me feel good when these things get done sooner, right? Like explain where you're coming from or why it bothered you Mm -hmm. instead of just pointing the finger or making some passive aggressive comment at them. Mm-hmm. I and I want to add because I think sometimes like for me like I'm like smirking because the other day I was being very passive aggressive and I and I <laughs> I was not it was like whoa okay she's out <laughs> and but it, even in those moments I was mindful and like in a in a very interesting way can you be uh mindful enough to say hey, I'm being really passive aggressive right now, right? So like I was passive aggressive and I said this and I'm like, I'm being passive aggressive right now because I'm annoyed and this is why, and this is how I'm being triggered. So I'm like actually communicating in these, because mo- sometimes you just want to, you just want to say that passive aggressive thing, you know, like, I'm, yeah, I have red hair. So, you know, like it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I can't prevent it from happening, you know, but I can be mindful in that moment and give my partner enough where I can still be supported in that frustration saying like, hey, I'm being passive aggressive right now. I'm being snarky. I realize this. It's not you. It's me. And this is why. And this is where it's coming from. And I'm giving you an opportunity because I, I, I'm not, you know, I feel bad about it. Well, and again, we get caught up in our own emotion. So all we're thinking about is how annoyed that we are that it took them six months to hang the picture up on the wall. I always tell people, and I do this too in in my own relationship, I ask myself, what do I want to get accomplished from this? Will making a passive aggressive comment help me accomplish what I want, right? Mm -hmm. So if I shame him, for taking six months to hang the picture, he's probably going to take six months next time I ask him to do something. Mm, Right. It's not, we think sometimes like our own frustration makes kind of, that's where our comments come from. But we think by making those comments, it's going to motivate our partner to do something, but it's a shame-based response, Mm. right? We're shaming them into doing it. And what if we just stopped and paused, bit your tongue? Literally, you could like bite your cheek if you want as a physical reminder. Mm-hmm. Don't say anything. And trust me, this is something I've really had to work on because I love being passive aggressive. It like gets my gears going. Yeah. Right. But I've really I had to work on it. And I know all it ever does is escalate a situation, mm-hmm. right? Like if I make that comment, now he's triggered. Yeah. And 
it's going to, he's going to escalate and then I'm going to escalate, then he's going to escalate. And I'm not getting resolved what I want to be resolved. And the resolution is, I want you to hang those pictures sooner. Or next time I ask you to help me with something, I want it done sooner than six months. Mm -hmm. right? Like that's the resolution I'm looking for. And so making those comments is not going to help me reach that resolution. Mm -hmm. So step back and ask yourself, okay, what do I want to accomplish here? What's the okay, outcome? I have that goal. Like I know what I'm looking for. Okay. What is the best pathway I can take? I could be passive aggressive or I can go a loving and caring route, even though it's slowly going to kill me inside because this is not a comfortable way of me. Of because, because it's not a habit or a practice that is normal yet. Well, and it's like our ego, right? Like we want to be stubborn. We don't want to be the one to uh, mend the situation or um, say we're wrong or say we're, you know, whatever it was. Um, that's a very hard thing to do. We want that person to fix it. Yes. Yes. Well, I think, and that's where I'm coming from when I, um, you know, my kind of perspective on things lately is how can I, you know, like you said, the door thing, I'm always trying to create openness and a space for vulnerability. And that's really, really challenging, but I call myself out to my partner when I'm being these types of ways, like passive aggressive. And I'm like, I, yes, I'm being passive aggressive right now. I am triggered. Here's why I'm triggered. It's not you, right? That is not your fault. I am owning this. So when I, re when I find if I call myself out, I'm actually creating more space, right? And occasionally it is something that hurts the other person. Okay. But I'm saying, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm frustrated. I'm going to say this stuff out of frustration. And then I'm going to say, I I'm owning it. This is me. This is not you. This is on me. And I'm reclaiming this for myself. So I become empowered now about my situation. I've welcomed my partner in and communicated what is my thing. And then if I've hurt that person in the process, I say, was that worth it? Right. Mm -hmm. And can I just say, this was me, this was not this person. Now let me apologize. And I wanted to lead into this. I found this a little, I don't do Hopa Ono Ono, but I know a lot of people, like one of my clients is very big into Hopa Ono Ono. If you've never heard about it, it's, um, it's like an energetic work, but the prayer for it, I'll read it for you guys, um, is I'm sorry please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Mm. And it's complete. When you say that to someone and you actually mean it and you're saying, I've said something that's out of potentially anger. I've done something to hurt you, but I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. And I love you. It neutralizes everything. Yeah. And that's a really good point. Um, I first heard that when I was listening to a lot of, or reading a lot of Brene Brown's material, because she does a lot on vulnerability. Yep. And that is one thing is being vulnerable with your partner and sharing. And that's what we were saying, right? Instead of being passive aggressive, communicating your needs or what's bothering you, that is vulnerable. And a lot of times our ego, again, stands in the way that is like unsafe. It feels unsafe to be vulnerable. Yes. Because, and you know what, if you you're have in to a push toxic, yourself, you commit if to you're in a toxic relationship, I think a lot of people fear their partner will use that against them. And that does or, happen or rejection or re feel rejected mm -hmm. and that those things do actually happen. And mm -hmm. that is a sign 
that you are in a, a toxic relationship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so anytime that I'm vulnerable with my partner, it's always well-received, mm-hmm. right? Because now he's has this, uh, like this softer side of him comes out and he's more empathetic and more understanding. If I can explain the situation to him instead of blame him for it. But mm-hmm. again, uh, that's not every relationship. So if you don't feel you can do that with your partner, that is a red flag. Mm-hmm. And it does take a little bit of work, but if you're getting shut down by your partner or it gets used against you, that is not okay. Yeah. At all. When you say like you're vulnerable with your partner, because I think that some people might not have um, experienced that or don't know like, okay, how can I approach this in a vulnerable way? And if I approach this in a vulnerable vulnerable way, it will be received better. What does that look like? Cause I know what that feels like to me. What does that, what does that look like and feel like to you? Um, so it feels uncomfortable, very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. And I have to sometimes work through it in my head or write it out in a journal first, because again, I get caught up in my emotion. And sometimes then I still say things that are more of the, I call them finger pointing, mm-hmm. right? Statements mm-hmm. instead of just keeping it on myself and coming from a genuine place. So mm-hmm. just literally saying like, I felt really frustrated when blank happened this evening, mm-hmm. right? Or I felt overwhelmed when, and I was short with you because you, because uh, you know, it was chaotic when you got home from work and there was a lot going on and this is what happened prior to you coming home. And then when this situation happened, you just walked back out, it triggered me, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I guess that's still kind of like saying you, but it's just explaining the situation. It's not saying like you did anything. It's just saying like, I was overwhelmed by trying to cook dinner, manage the kids, tantrums, and I had work on my mind or I had a tough client today or something, right? Like explaining where that was coming from, like just getting real and honest about mm-hmm. my own stuff with them instead mm-hmm. of making it about them. Mm-hmm. I think for me, vulnerability is this. And I think like you said, and it's hard, you're, you're, you, you, you want to fight yourself in those moments, right? Cause there's a part of you that's like retreat, be safe, right? You, 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 when you're opening up and you're being vulnerable, you very much often feel like you're going to go into fight or flight, right? But it's, can I open my heart enough to communicate through, through eyes of love, right? How can I be loving in this communication? And that is a extremely challenging thing to do. Like I can almost feel like in my chest when I'm coming from a place where my heart's not open and then having to say to myself, open your heart and share, not from a place of being angry or triggered, just be vulnerable, open up, right? Because it is so easy for me personally. I think a lot of people feel this way. Um, to, to just get angry, to just get angry first. And then eventually uh, I get to that place where I realize it's not anger, it's just sadness and I'm sad and, I'm, and I feel disconnected and I wanna feel connected all the time. 
So can I take a shorter route of getting there? Anger is actually a longer route. Me fighting against the system, raging against the machine as it, you know, gens do, um, is not the quickest route to me opening up and um, having that connection. Because I, when I feel that connection shuts down, I freak, right? And I'll fight and I'll get angry and I'll get all those things. But all I want is that connection to be open again. And I want that in that level of, um, it is a feeling. Sometimes I don't know how to put that feeling into words, but it's like, there's no distance. You're unified with that person. That's what I want all the time, right? And I think like one of the last things I'll say is I used to seek outcomes. So after a conflict or a fight or like something bothered me, I would have a motive or, or an outcome that I wanted out of my partner. Hmm. And so I would sit down and be like, well, I, I need to talk to you about this. And instantly his demeanor became defensive. Cause, like, cause it was like, you were seeking this and he knew like his soul knew I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm screwed. Yes. Right. Probably. Yeah. Yes. Defense res- response. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And so what I did, I don't know how this even came to me, but somewhere along the way I decided, okay, what if I stop making this a whole, like a big thing, like a whole to do? What yeah. if I just waited, which is a very hard thing to me because I, or for me, because I like to resolve like as quick as possible. I do not like being in turmoil, but yeah. what I've learned about my partner is that he needs space. And so we've done a lot of work on, okay, he needs to let me know when he can have this conversation, but I need to give him the space to process. Mm-hmm. And that it was very, it was very, very hard for me for a long time to basically bite my tongue and just kind of let the situation situation be what it was. But what I did and I taught myself is to wait for a moment, right? Like the end of the work day, why the kids are screaming, is it the time to do it? If he had a bad day or he's like zoned out on the TV, that's not the time to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And trying to force a conversation. Mm -hmm. What if I just waited until we have like a nice night out at dinner or like we're just sitting in bed and we're relaxed and I casually just kind of thread it into a conversation that feels right instead of like, it's already kind of a part of the conversation. I thread it in there, right? Mm -hmm that's a lot different because now he's not on guard and he's more open to having the conversation mm-hmm. versus I go in hot and I'm like, well, you know, we need to talk about this. Yeah. Now he has his guards up. There is going to be no resolution or outcome from that. Yeah. Sometimes I do that for fun. No, 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 not even come in hot. I like to see what, what the oh. eyes do when I say, Hey, I got to talk to you about something. <laughs> that person and then I'm like oh yeah um I bought pretzels today <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I'm crazy like that but um one of the things I wanted to kind say of like it was kind of a game at first I was like okay let's just play this game and see if it changes anything and it did like tremendously our communication channels opened so yeah. much more yeah I saw a quote um, uh, on Facebook or somewhere the, the other day and it said something about like normalize. I'm not ready to talk about this right now. Mm. And I was like, whoa, 
that shined a huge light for me say just because I want that feeling of resolve quickly because I can't stand I literally can't stand it I hate it I hate the feeling emotional disconnection right so if there's a communication channel that's shut down or or things don't feel unified my my everything in me is like a radar going off like boop 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 boop, boop. and I'm like okay just because that's my response can I hold space for my partner to be not okay to talk right now I, I, I can't talk normalize that and what I realized is that I haven't been doing that for myself. When I, when I saw that, I realized my drive to, to make amends really quick is actually not the best tactic for me. I actually am much better and less likely to go into anger and communicate from a place that doesn't feel in alignment um, when I say, you know what, I'm not ready to talk about that right now and take that space. I wasn't giving myself, right? So this is that mirror perspective. Your partner is shining a mirror on where you need to, to own something or represent yourself in a better way and be more truthful to yourself. And I wasn't being truthful to myself because I never gave myself space. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm like, let me duke it out with you, right? It's actually, I never had a great response by by assessing things right away so it was kind of like seeing that quote was like oh wow oh I do have permission to not be ready to talk about something yet because I haven't wrapped my head around it fully and it's going to come out with a fight Mm -hmm. because I'm going to come out like you know and if you don't receive it I'm going to be defensive right so I think that's a nice it's, it's a good tactic to say am I actually ready to talk about this Mm-hmm. Or can I come at this from a new perspective and fresh eyes 10 minutes from now, 20 minutes from now, an hour from now, tomorrow, whatever it is. And in the meantime, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Because that brings that distance that was created back together, even if you need the time, even if you need the time, right? Oh. And the last thing I'm going to say is, I think I said that last time, but I promise it's the last thing I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm holding it up. Like, because they can see it. They're not going to be able to see it. Um, John <laughs> Gottman, him and his wife have pioneered a lot of uh, couples therapy and healing. It really started from um, relationships that experience like affairs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how to build back trust and after a betrayal. And so this book, he has a couple, um, but this one's called What Makes Love Last? How to Build Trust and avoid betrayal. And that's basically what we talked about. Even if those closed door moments is something small or something big, when you close that door, it breaks down the trust in your relationship. Mm -hmm. And so they become like subconscious and stored away and they come out in our behaviors and our communication. And so like the exercise Jen suggested, you know, doing things like that can help bring some of these things to light. And all it does, all it takes is one person to change the relationship, right? And that does not mean that your relationship is going to be what you want it to be or be successful. It just means that you will change and your partner may change with that. But they also may not. They may not. And that means, okay, it's time for me to leave because of that. Um, and telling yourself, I mean, that work alone is worthwhile. It's probably the most, in my opinion, worthwhile thing you can do in your lifetime. 
right? Because I'm going to be behaving from a place of my past experiences until I'm ready to look at them and say, wait, I can, I can reclaim this. I don't need to operate from this place. Whatever traumas you experience, whatever your, your uh, family dynamics look like, how you were loved, how you saw your parents loved, you're behaving from a place of what's happened in the past and what that's meant to you until you say, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to look at the, the ways I'm showing up in my world. And then I'm taking back the power to say, is this what I want to continue? Sometimes it might be yes, and that's okay but not from a place of blame, shame, lack of acceptance. It's from a place of acceptance, ownership, and accountability. Absolutely. And okay. so you can go on the Gottman, I think it's the Gottman Institute, the website, and you can just Google it. And they actually, you can sign up for their emails and they send you, I don't know if it's daily or weekly, but it's called the Marriage Minute. So even if you're not married, right, they give you almost like these little tidbits um, or like homework assignments of things you can work on with your partner. So if this is something that you think you want to explore, that would be a really good place to start. Um, they're really a good resource for a lot of different things. And if you're just looking for a book to read, um, there's a lot of different relationship books out there, but this is definitely a good one. Any of the Gottman books. Um, I want to add a book to that conscious relationship blueprint is probably one of the best reads that I've, let me look up right here, the uh, author so that you guys have that too. If you want to um, find, learn about yourself um, more in depth and bring your triggers to light so that you can help your partner understand that and do inner work and healing um, and, and understanding childhood things that play into relationships. Uh, the Conscious Relationship Blueprint by Nancy Levin is a great book. So uh, we'll leave you on that note, two resources, a few activities you guys can do. You know, First of all, if you're not in a relationship, just write on paper what it is that you're looking for, your perfect person and what you're bringing to the relationship and what you hope that they bring into a relationship. I always have people do that. Um, and if you are in one, do it anyway, okay? Um, two books. We got that. Take, take relationship, um, you know, inventory. What have I experienced in my relationships? Do I see any similarities? Is there anything that I've, I, I see from my childhood, either the way I was loved or the way I saw relationships to look that feels un open-ended and like I see it living out in my relationships. Um, Hopa Ono Ono, that prayer, huge, right? I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. So we're probably going to be bringing on a guest speaker in the next month or so. If you know anyone that would be a good candidate or you're interested in being a speaker yourself, please reach out on our Instagrams or our Facebook and let us know your thoughts or recommendations. We would really appreciate it. Yeah. And if you have a request for a topic, we're always looking to talk about new and interesting things. So oh, yeah. like if you're struggling somewhere in your life and you're like, I need help. We'll talk about reach it. Reach out to us. We would love to do a whole show just for you. Like that's fun for us. We, we, we're coaches. So, you know, you're like, Hey, can you help me? Um, yeah. And that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we were, see we will see you next week and hopefully my voice will be back. So thanks for hanging in there and we'll see you next week. Bye guys. 
For more information on this episode, check out the show notes. Don't forget to follow us at Jen underscore Morgan and Caitlin.Englert.Coaching for updates. If you love this episode, take a screenshot and share to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Until next time, have fun and don't forget to pleasure yourself.